Oh, man, I'm so glad to be here. I hope you guys are glad to be here. It's a, it's a good day. It's a good day. We're in the middle of this series called Family Values, and, uh, and we've talked about a few different family values that we've been trying to implement into our homes. How are you guys doing on those? Four of you? That's great. That's great. I'm so glad that what we do here is so effective. So the four of you guys are plugging it in. That's great. I'm so happy for you. Listen, family values are important. What you build your family on in your home is, is important, but then what we build our church on is also important. And we've talked about a few different things, and one of them was the foundational principle we've kind of taken through this whole series is that we're not just a Christian home, but we're a Christ-centered home. And on the surface, that might not seem like a big deal to you. Well, yeah, Christian, Christ-centered, what's, what's the difference? But you know, we can easily slip into a culturally Christian uh, mindset, but not actually have our, our family life centered around Christ. We can end up in a situation where Jesus is on the fringe, and we consider what, he, what his word says occasionally, or we consider what we might guide our, our life by the principles in the Bible occasionally, but are we, are we really centering Jesus and God in the center of our home? It's one of those things that can easily slip. And we talked about drifting last week and how it can kind of just drift a little, right? We, can, we, we head out in the right direction, but life gets busy. And, and if we're not intentional, we start to drift. And I don't know about you, but I've learned that in my life, I've never accidentally drifted somewhere amazing. I tend to accidentally drift places that are somewhat mediocre um, at best. You know, when I'm driving down the road, I don't actually accidentally drift to the speed limit. Maybe you do, but I don't. I, I find that I drift slightly above the speed limit. And I drift maybe even more to this morning on my way to church. I was driving down the road, and I looked at my speedometer as I passed a 35-mile-an-hour sign, and I thought, I might go to jail if I were to get pulled over right now. I better slow down and slow down fast. We, we drift, don't we? And so we've got to stay vigilant to say, let's be intentional about building our homes around Christ. And so this morning, we're going to talk about the value of peacemaking versus peacekeeping. Peacemakers. Are you a peacemaker in your home? And I know what you're thinking. My house is full of peace. I never have any conflict whatsoever in my home. So this sermon would then be irrelevant to you, and you could have my permission to sleep. <laughs> you know, we don't have conflict in my house. You know, my kids call it yelling, but I'm, I'm, I'm really, I call it, um, when I'm raising my voice, it's motivational speaking to the selective hearing. Like, I'm not, I'm not yelling. This is motivational speech. That's what this is. Yes, I am motivating you to make your bed and, and to clean your room. My wife, her nickname with the kids is Mom, but, but I've also seen that her full name to the kids is Mom, 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 Mom. Ma, I'm like, oh, be quiet. Then I get motivational. I, I've learned that, that families are, are like fudge, right? They're mostly sweet, but sometimes we got a lot of nuts in them. How many of you guys have a psycho in your family? Like somebody just completely psychotic. You raise your hand. You got a psycho in your family. Look at all these hands. Like almost everybody has hands up. Listen, if your hand isn't up, all I'm saying is every family has a psycho. The other day I was like shaking the family tree and a bunch of stuff fell out. Lemons and nuts and there's always a few bad apples that come out too, right? 
But every family has a challenge. Every family has things in it that create conflict. Every family has it. If you think that your family is the weird one, it is not. Your family has issues inside of it. There are things that happen. In fact, when the Bible talks about peacemakers, I would challenge you to say that that he talks about that for a reason, because there is a need to make peace with people in our lives. For thousands and thousands of years, since, since the beginning of humanity, there has been conflict. From the very beginning, Adam and Eve, there is conflict. Eve takes the fruit, Adam starts eating it, immediately, no, she made me do it. There was a conflict. Right from the beginning, there, there is conflict. If you have conflict in your home, uh, you are human. This is normal. There is normal, but what do we do with the conflict? That's, that's what makes a difference. And, and as believers, as followers of Christ, if you're not a Christian today, this is important for you to know, as followers of Christ, we strive to say, hey, we're going to be a peacemaker, not just a peacekeeper. Sometimes our families can be um, a little annoying, right? Sometimes there's, you have a situation in your life, and, and of course, none of these ever apply to my family. I read all of this on the internet. I'm so grateful for Google. It allows me to be relational. But if you've ever been raising kids and had a parent, a mom, or a mother-in-law try to explain to you that you're doing it wrong. Three of you, yes, yes. Maybe you have kids that are, that are fighting all the time. Maybe you found yourself saying, if you don't stop it, I'm going to pull the car over. And in the back of your head, you're like, and then do what? I don't know. If you don't stop, by the time I count to three, you're going to get it. One, two, two and a half. Two and three quarters, two and two and seven eighths. You start challenging your fraction skills, trying to get like, man, I really don't want to spank you. I really don't want to punish you, but but I, oh man, I just just stop. Come on, be easier for all of us. Sometimes you gotta make the peace. And teenagers, I know you're you're saying my parents are so controlling, and parents are saying if they just do what I said. But you know, this world, it it gets crazier and more complex because you have laws, in-laws, and outlaws. And and then you have um, families that are now blended families where maybe you you have marriage, your kids from previous marriages that you're bringing together, and it gets complicated. So now you have mother-in-law, in-laws, you know, and then you have like three levels of grandparents because of the the mixture. It gets more and more complicated, and, 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 and it's more and more likely that conflict's happening in the world around us. And so we see all of this happening, right? All these moving parts. How can we possibly have peace in the middle of all these moving parts? And then as we move through life, and some of you, maybe your kids are grown and gone, and you still don't have peace with your children. Or maybe you don't have peace with your parents. Because of what happened when you were a child, you still haven't forgiven them for that. Or maybe there's something that happened in your home and your kids are struggling to forgive you. How do you make peace when peace seems impossible? How do you make peace when peace seems impossible? We've been basing this series on a section of the Bible in Matthew chapter 5. If you, if you have your Bibles, you're welcome to turn there. We've been basing our series out of the Beatitudes. And we've, we've picked a few of the Beatitudes to say, hey, these are values that you can build your house on. These are values you can build your family on. And, and now we're on to verse 9, which says, Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called children of God. 
Blessed are the peacemakers. Listen, we don't just have an absence of trouble. It doesn't mean peacemakers means there was something that had to be made peace with. It's not like blessed are those who don't have any conflict in your house ever because then you'd be called the children of God. No, no, blessed are the peacemakers. There's an implication that there is a need to make peace, which means there is conflict present. And are you able to be the one to help make peace? Because that's the person that God wants to pour his blessing out through. God wants to pour his blessing through the peacemakers. It doesn't just mean the absence of trouble. You know, in, in that day and age, this statement would have been quite controversial. Because back then they said, well, it's an eye for an eye. It's a tooth for a tooth. I mean, I'm, I'm justified in having my revenge because I've been violated against, right? Because, because they violated against me, I'm able to do that. There was like this revenge piece. And that's our temptation as, as human beings. It's like, well, they cut me off, so now I'm going to rip around them, gun it, and I'm going to cut them off, and, and, all the, and I'm going to slam on my brakes and make them pay for it. I'm going to give them the one-finger salute out of the window so they know, they know what I'm thinking. Is that the finger? Yes, I know, they know what I'm, what, I'm, what I'm thinking. I know about you. And so, they, you know, like, like we, we get this idea of revenge that gets inside of us. We get this idea that, that we got to pay it back. You know, when we decide that we are justified in holding onto the grudge, we end up putting ourselves first. And when you put yourself first, you put peace last. When you put yourself first, you end up putting peace last. And if you have two people that are persistent on putting themselves first, the, the, the conflict doesn't become peaceful. It becomes a little more escalated, and a little more escalated, and a little more escalated. So, what's the difference? How can we be peacemakers versus peacekeepers? Peacemakers versus peacekeepers. See, peacekeepers often avoid conflict to keep the peace. Peacekeepers will avoid the conflict. If you find yourself avoiding it, sweeping it under the rug, I'm just not going to talk about this one. I'm just going to let it lie. You may be falling into the peacekeeping category. Now, there's a difference between avoiding the conflict altogether and having wisdom on the timing to bring it up. Because there is a difference in there. So if you are avoiding it, but you're avoiding it all the time, and you're not putting a time to strategically bring it up, then you could be more of a peacekeeper. You're working around the issues, and you're not working through the issues that you're facing. So what happens is we just have this conflict. We create a truce. There's there's like a ceasefire. It it, it it isn't a, a resolution to resolve it, but it's a ceasefire. Well, then a few months go by, and this thing has been stirring inside of you. You know what I'm talking about. You know where I'm headed. And then another little thing happens, and you're like, oh, no, no, no. I'm not going to mess the piece up. Stuff it down. Stuff it down. Stuff it down. You keep moving another thing. You stuff it down. And pretty soon you're like really stuffing it down. And then you're packing it in there and packing it in there. And then one day, the straw that breaks the camel's back gets placed onto the powder keg that's living inside of you. And then after months of peaceful conversation, kaboom, the whole thing blows up. And you say all kinds of crazy things. And the anger just spills out. 
nobody else, but just me. But it just, it like all of a sudden just blows up. Has anybody ever had that happen? Maybe you've had it happen to you, and you're like, I don't understand. I just left my socks on the floor. What, I, like, really? This is totally unjustified. I mean, really, you're way overreacting, but you don't understand because boom to boom to boom to boom to boom. If you're keeping record of people's wrongs for the past month or two months, I'm going to tell you that you're probably not making peace. You're probably keeping the peace. You're probably stuffing it down. If you have a tendency to stuff it down and let it blow back up in, in, in weird, awkward moments and ways, I'm telling you, you're wrestling with this thing. And, and the Bible has something to say about making peace versus just keeping the peace. See, peacemakers embrace conflict to make peace. So peacekeepers avoid the conflict, but peacemakers embrace the conflict. And there's a difference. There's a difference. Sometimes in the moment, it's not the right time to confront someone lovingly, right? Sometimes in the moment you realize, ooh, the, we- the wisest thing to do would be to put this on the back burner. Not forever, not until the next fight so I can use this ammo for, the- for this thing, but-, but to be able to say, you know what, I'm going to bring this up in a different context. Because sometimes you need to do that, especially in your home with your kids. Sometimes in the moment when your kids are going through something, you might be, I need to address that heart issue. And maybe in this moment it's not necessary. Maybe I need to wait till the timing is right, till tensions are maybe de-escalated so we can have a normal conversation about this. Maybe with your spouse, you have this thing where you have to, you have to wait and say, okay, listen, we're in the middle of a fight, and, and I want to talk about the way she's talking to me, but if I bring it up right now, or, if, or the way he's talking to me, if I bring it up right now, it's only going to escalate things. It's only going to make it a little bit worse. So maybe you have to put it off just for a minute, but, but don't, don't and completely ignore it. Even in church sometimes. How many of you ever gotten your feelings hurt at church? I get my feelings hurt at church sometimes. And so sometimes we are in church family and we have conflict that needs to happen. It's great to be able to embrace the conflict in the right timing. You see, we're not going to work around the issues, but we're going to work through the issues. Peacemakers are people who make peace. And so if we're not just a Christian home and we are actually a Christ-centered home, then we've got to be able to implement the Bible in a way that reaches into all areas of our life. We've got to be able to reach all the way. And you see, Christ-centered home isn't necessarily mean a conflict-free family. It actually um, just means that Jesus is not, well, it means that Jesus is not just part of our life. He actually is our life. And so being Christ-centered means that we can handle conflict in a godly way. We don't have to handle it in an awkward and potentially dangerous way. And so we look in Romans chapter 12. In Romans chapter, it'll be up on the screen here. It says, do not repay anyone for evil. Be careful to do what is right in the eyes of everyone. If it is possible, as far as it depends on you. No, but you don't understand what they did. Listen, the Bible's not talking about what they did. It's talking about what you did. So far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. So here's what I got. What do peacemakers actually do? How do you make the peace? Number one is this. Tell the truth in love. Tell the truth in love. In Ephesians 4, it says, instead, we will speak the truth in love, growing in every way more and more like Christ. Listen, you can speak the truth in a loving way, or you can speak the truth in a non-loving way. 
my wife could, she never has and never will, but she could come up to me and be like, pick up your dirty clothes off the laundry, you off the floor, you bleepity bleep, put them in the basket. You know, she could, she could do that. And guess what? She'd be spitting truth because my clothes are on the floor. And she could be like, well, I'm just telling the truth. I'm telling it how it is. Because it's true. There's clothes on the floor and I'm a slob, you know? Like, it's, it's true, right? And so, but, but listen, there's two ways. She could also come up and say, hey, babe, you know, I, I really feel like you don't value the work I put into keeping the house up when you leave your stuff on the floor. Can you help me out and pick this? Like, that would be the same truth, the same result. I pick up my stuff, put it in the basket, but now it's laced and full of love rather than laced and full of accusations and, and pain and hurt. See, conflict is probably, this is my, my humble opinion, no facts to back this up. My, my opinion is this, that conflict is 10% a disagreement and 90% how you're communicating that disagreement. You yelling at them. You send me like the angry face emoji. You know, you've done it. But you know, like, like to take a picture of the clothes on the floor and send an angry face emoji and some, maybe some acronyms. You know, like the little letters, not the LOLs, but the other stuff. But you know, like, like, like yeah, so, you know. And so it's like you start adding stuff. Like, what, what, how are you handling this, Right? How do you handle it? And it's funny to laugh about the clothes on the floor because every dude's done it, right? And, and, and it's relatable, or every person's done it, right? It, it's relatable. But, but there's real issues that we have to deal with. And the first is this, is that you have to address it in love. What they did to you was wrong. What they did to you hurt. What they did to you is unacceptable, maybe. Maybe even illegal for some situations that we have to deal with. We have got to deal with these things, right? And, and it's, it's like, ha, 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 emojis, ha, ha, ha. But what you don't understand is, is the depth of pain by which they violated me is so deep. Listen, as far as you're concerned, you have to make peace. Number two is apologize when you are wrong. I have, I hesitate to use the word always and never um, because as soon as I say it, somebody has a one example, right, of when I'm not, and then all of a sudden the whole statement's wrong. But I'm going to tell you this. I have never seen an argument. I have never seen a conflict where one person was 100% in the right and one, another person was 100% in the wrong. Maybe you've seen it, and you found the unicorn argument out there. But I'm telling you that typically there is a scale of percentage of wrong. That person did something wrong to you, and there's a conflict. Maybe what they did is the 90% wrong, but can you own your 10%? Can you apologize for the part that you are wrong? And it's hard. Because I want the revenge. I want the justice. I want the vengeance. But can you apologize for your part? Apologize when you are wrong. In James chapter 5, 16, it says, Therefore, confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. You have got to confess to the people around you when you are wrong. When you're fighting with your spouse, you have to own that part. If you, and I'm telling you, apologies are tricky things. Because 
we want to attach strings, don't we? Well, if you're offended, then I guess I'm sorry. Whoa, what a loaded statement. They just told you they're offended, right? So you know that they're offended. Well, I guess if you got your feelings hurt, you big baby, then I guess, okay, I'm sorry, I, I guess. Right, yeah, yeah, that's really genuine, right? I really feel like you owned that, that one there, right? Yeah, I mean, so like we, we've got to get to a place where we can own the part that we have done wrong and apologize when we are wrong. Admit to specific actions and attitudes with no excuses. That's what a real apology is. When you say, I'm sorry that I raised my voice. If you put a but in there, if you put any other qualifier in there, you are discounting your apology. And it's not a real apology. I'm sorry that I raised my voice, but when you do X, Y, and Z, it infuriates me to the place where I'm raising my voice. Well, that's not an apology. You just blamed your reaction on the other person. You're not even owning it. No strings attached apology. That's hard. I can get an amen from this house, right? That's hard. It is hard to have a no-strings-attached apology. Man, I'll tell you what, being a Christian is not easy, huh? Man, God, Jesus, you said some stuff, man. Like, I wish there was parts of the Bible that weren't there, but they're there. All right, so you got to admit to specific actions and attitudes with no excuses. I shouldn't have called you that. I, I shouldn't have said that. I, should, I shouldn't have kick the dog, whatever it might be. Like, I shouldn't have done these things. I I was wrong, and I'm sorry. Will you forgive me? You see, there's a big difference between remorse and repentance. Remorse is, "Mm, I'm sorry I got caught. Remorse is, repentance is, oh, man, I've got to to change. Like, repentance is actually changing. Remorse is, I'm sorry for the mistakes. Or repentance is, I'm sorry for mistakes, Will you forgive me? What I did was wrong. Will you forgive me? And the first two, you're thinking, well, those are tough. But the third one, this is where it gets hard, is this. Can you forgive and let go? Forgiving and forgetting is is fiction. I just want to say that. People say, oh, forgive and forget. No, you're not going to forget. You're not. You're not going to forget what that person did to you when you were a kid. You're not going to forget when that person wronged you in that crazy way. But you can let it go. You can let it go. The forgive and forget is a myth. But can you forgive and let it go? Jesus forgave and let go. It's not that he's forgotten and like, like where we were at in our sinful state. He just forgave us, right? Like, like we, we, are, we forgive and, and can we let it go? Because if you don't let it go, every time you're going to look at your spouse, you're going to remember that thing that they did. Every time you look at your parents, you're going to remember that thing that they did. When you look at your kids, you're going to remember that thing that they did. You're going to show up at church, and you're going to see somebody in church that, that stepped on your toes, and, and you're going to have the hurt feelings. But can you forgive them and let it go? How do you forgive when it's a significant offense, though? I mean, how do you forgive adultery? How do you forgive betrayal? How do you forgive abuse? Because what they did was so wrong. I 
My encouragement to you today is this. In Colossians 3.13, it says, Bear with each other and forgive one another if any of you has a grievance against someone. Forgive as the Lord forgave you. Forgive as the Lord forgave you. Listen, I, I, don't, I don't know about you, but God's forgiven me of a lot. He has forgiven me of a lot. We're going to wrap up in a minute, and I'm going to pray with you. And if the band would start to come. I've been forgiven of a lot. And if I start to look through the, my past and start to look through the, 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 things, the ways I've hurt other people, if I look at the way that I've violated God's word, if I look at the way that, I've, that I have hurt others and hurt myself and even done things to violate God, when I, when I look at that, I say, man, I, God has forgiven me a lot. And he doesn't lord it over me. He doesn't say, you've got to earn it back. He gives his forgiveness and his grace freely. Being a Christian isn't necessarily easy. Being a Christ follower isn't necessarily easy. Having Christ in the center of your home and in the center of your life isn't necessarily the easiest path that to do. Because when you think, i got to forgive someone the way that Christ forgave me, man, I know that God forgave me a lot. It is difficult to forgive someone the way that Christ has forgiven someone. But I'm telling you, if you're a believer here today, I'm telling you that the same power that conquered the grave lives inside of you. When you have the Holy Spirit living inside of you, there is something inside of you that can rise up to this case. And when you forgive someone the way that Christ forgave you, you are more like Christ in that moment than any other moment in your life. Can you forgive and can you let it go? Can you forgive and let it go? I want to tell you that your family is worth it. Your kids are worth it. Your marriage is worth it. Your parents are worth it. The church family is worth it. You see, when when marriage is tough, we don't walk out. We forgive. And your marriage has had tough moments in it. My marriage has had tough moments in it. We've had tough moments in our marriages. But you forgive and you let go and you grow closer together. And it's worth it. Your relationship with your kids, it's worth it. You've had some tough moments with your kids. I know. I've had times where I wanted to kill some of them. I thought, you know, I can make another one, right? I know how this happens. I can replace you. But, but forgiving them and letting it go is worth it. It's worth it to build up your kids and build them up to be people who follow Christ and, and to be people who, who, who are in love with God and, and in love with you to make whole people to help build people. It's worth it. It's worth the struggle to forgive. It's worth it to forgive your parents for those things that they've done to you. They may not even realize the pain that they've caused into your life because they were just doing it the way that they thought it was supposed to be done. They're parenting you the way that, they, that their parents parent them and they think, well, I turned out all right. But it hurt. They may never admit to the fact that, that what they did to you was hard and painful and wrong, but forgive them because it's worth it. Forgive them because it's worth it. We show mercy. As Christ-centered followers, we show mercy because mercy was shown to us. Hmm. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called children of God. Children of God look like God. My kids 
look like me. It's unfortunate for them, but, but they, they look like me. I'm hoping they grow up and they look more and more like Amber. But they look like us. Your kids look like you. Their hair, their, their skin, their, their, their teeth, their eyes, their nose, their, their, everything about you, look, and they look like you. If you're a peacemaker, you look more like Christ in that moment. You look like a child of God. You never look more like God than when you forgive. So make peace. Will you make peace? Make peace. Will you guys stand with me? I'm going to ask three questions this morning. And, and the first question is this, is, is you might be in a place saying, I want God to make me a peacemaker. And if that's where you're at, and I think almost every hand's going to go up in this moment, but if that's where you're at, if you say, I want God to make me a peacemaker, will you just raise your hand? We see these hands all around the room. We want, to make, we want God to make us a peacemaker. Number two is this. If you have need of healing in your families, right where you're at, there is a conflict that you need peace. Will you just, again, put your hand in there. We're going to, I'm going to pray over everybody here this morning. Heavenly Father, we, I, I just, you see the hands that are lifted this morning. God, you see that, that we desire to be peacemakers. God, we desire to be more like you and to be children of you and to look like you. And so we, we want to be peacemakers. And God, you see the hands in the air for the conflict that's happening in people's homes right now. So God, I ask right now by the power of your Holy Spirit that you would bring peace into people's houses. God, give, give the hands that are raised this morning, give them the wisdom to, be able to navigate the challenges of the conflict. God, give them what they need to be able to do this, God. Give them the power to tell the truth in love and to apologize when they're wrong and to be able to forgive and let go. In Jesus' name, amen. And then you might be here this morning and you, have, you are not a follower of Christ. You've heard about Jesus. You've, you've, you've listened. You maybe thought about it. You maybe hung around church for a little while, maybe your whole life, and you've never decided to make Jesus the center of your life. I've just had him on the fringes. I've called myself a Christian, but, but maybe you haven't even called yourself a Christian, but you've never made Christ the center of your home or maybe the center of your life. If you've never made Christ the center of your life, maybe at one point you did and you drifted like we talked about last week. And you've, and you've drifted to the point where like, man, I, I've lost it. My relationship with God is non-existent or gone. And this morning, I want to give you an opportunity to say, yeah, today's the day that I need to make a decision to make Christ the center of my life again, or maybe even for the first time. And so if that's where you're at, I don't want to embarrass you. I just want to pray with you. I want to give you a resource to help you on your journey and in your walk with the Lord. And so if that's where you're at, with every head bowed, every eye closed, I just just don't want them to, if that's where you're at, will you just put your hand in the air and look at me? Will you put your hand in the air? Today's the day where you can say, and I see that hand right over there. I'm going to get you something in a minute. Any other hands? Anybody else saying today's the day? Today's the day. I'm making Jesus the center of my life. Amen, amen. Right here too. Amen. Heavenly Father. Heavenly Father, we just thank you for this. And church, everybody together, even especially those that raise your hands, will you repeat after me? Dear Jesus, I make you the center of my life today. I give control of my life to you. I make you the center. God, fill my life and help me to be more Christ-like every day. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Amen.
Church, we're going to sing one last song. As we're singing, we have prayer teams that are here. They woke up this morning fired up, and they're ready to pray for you for anything that you have going on. If you need someone to stand with you in prayer for a peace for a peaceful situation in your home, if you need prayer for a physical healing or emotional healing, if you need something for you, you need someone to stand with you in prayer for a situation, they woke up this morning ready to pray with you. And they're going to be right here on either side of the stage. We're going to sing one last song. If you need prayer for anything, come get prayer. Other than that, God bless you. Have a wonderful week. I can't wait to see you next Sunday. Will you give hope to the hopeless and light to those in the darkness and death to
wonderful week.